Well, hello, Cornerstone. How are we doing today? Man, it is good to see you. So good to see you. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing here. And if you're here with us in this room or in the overflows or at Santan, um, watching online, watching five o'clock somewhere in there, thank you for being a part of what God is doing and for, for just doing this with us. Um, I obviously am not Pastor Lynn. Um, he is sick right now. So if you would remember praying for him this week. Um, he's been a little bit under the weather, so all week long they've been calling people, trying to get somebody to come in and fill in for him, and had absolutely no responses, so they called me. Um, and I don't know if that was like induced by medication or if that was like how that transpired, but um, I'm glad he did. So thanks for coming. Uh, he gave me a really good question, and I'm excited that we're looking at things, man, things that I hate about the Bible, things like that. And I know there's a question right now that's haunting many of you, especially if you have kids. Um, or if you're surrounded by, by children in any way, shape, or form. I know right now the big question in this room most likely is, what did the fox say? We're not going to address that. Um, it's ring-a-ding-ding-a-ding, something like that. Um, if you don't know what that is, um, just take a second and praise God right now. And when you leave here tonight, find somebody that's at least this height or shorter and just ask them, hey, what's the fox say? And then just be ready for the rest of your day to be blown up and ruined. Um, Seriously, though, we're going we're gonna to take a, a, really, um, a really difficult question. And it's not that the question itself is difficult. And we're in this great series, Things That I Hate About the Bible. And I don't know if, you, if you're in this yet, where you're reading the Bible and you're like, man, I wish it didn't say that. Um, I, I wish this was easier. I wish it maybe said it this way. Um, this, this is one of those questions and one of those things that the Bible says, and really it's very clear on, that we're just going to kind of unpack today. If we're going to do this, though, if we're going to look at and, and today's topic is... Why doesn't everybody get to go to heaven? That's a great question. Why doesn't everybody get to go? Why, why doesn't my friends get to go? Why don't family members, why don't people that I really love get to go to heaven? That's, that's a great question. If we're going to do this, my opinion really doesn't help anyone in this room. Um, obviously, I'm talking about the fox. Um, nothing I'm going to say is going to help shed light on this. So if we're going to do this, we need something that's infallible, that is without any type of defect, and that is truth 100%. And this is the only book that I've found that, that meets those requirements. So if we're going to do this, if we're going to look at why doesn't everybody get to go to heaven, you've got to understand that this is where I'm pulling this from. So th- this isn't my opinion. This isn't what I feel. This is what I've read in this book, and this is what God has shown me in here. So if we're going to do this, we- we've got to start right here. Um, so hopefully we're okay with that. Why doesn't everybody get to go to heaven? If Before we start into this, let- let's do this. Um, how do you get to heaven? Forget about who all gets to go. How do we get there? Because I don't know about you, and, and a lot of times I, I put myself ahead of some of my friends. It's not like, hey, how does my friends get to go to heaven? I mean, I want them there, but don't get me wrong. How do I get there? Because I definitely don't want to miss that boat. How do we get to heaven? If you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 14. We're, we're going to look at this real quick and kind of dive in it and see what this says about how do we get to heaven. In John 14, and actually at the end of John 13, you have Jesus doing some cool things with his disciples. He's hanging out with them. He's teaching them. He's talking to them. And then he goes in and just starts to just real quickly and real briefly starts to tell them about what's about to come up. What's about to happen to him. And, and he says something to Peter like, hey, dude, here pretty soon you're going you're gonna to reject me. And Peter's like, whoa, hold up, dude. Back the truck up. No, I'm not. There's no way. I would never reject you. We're, we're tight. We're mm, Love you, Jesus. I would never do that. And Jesus is like, no, really, dude, this, this is going to go down. And so they have this moment where they're like, wait a second. This isn't what I thought. Like, this, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't where I thought this was going. And, and they, got, they get a little bit worried. And Thomas, in um, 14.5, even says, man, how do we know where you're going? How, I, we want to follow you. How do we do that? And then Jesus gives us possibly the, the greatest roadmap. If you've ever wondered, how do you get to heaven? 
Here it is, spelled out right here in John 14, 6. Jesus answers and he says this. He says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to God except through me. How do we get to heaven is simple. That's the easiest answer we're going to have today. How do we get to heaven is Jesus and absolutely nothing else. There is no plan B. There is no detour. There is no like side road that you can take. There is no like pass that goes around the corner and that cuts back. That's a little bit easier. How we get to heaven is point blank is Jesus. And, and as we do this, you, you've got to understand this today is going to kind of be like an onion a little bit. We're going to have to peel some layers back to get to the core of what we believe as Christians and get to the core of what this book teaches us. There is no other way to get to heaven. And Jesus is very definitive in this. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one Absolutely nobody gets to the Father except through him. Nobody makes it to heaven without Jesus. That's good news for some of us. Unfortunately, that's horrible news for some people too. Nobody gets to heaven without Jesus. So what, what keeps us then? If Jesus is the ticket that gets us into heaven, what keeps us maybe separated from Jesus or separates us from heaven? And that answer, um, that answer is a little bit... That's a little bit, I guess, painful. Because um, if not everybody gets to heaven, what keeps us from heaven? That's easy. Well, it's, it's easy to talk about, but it's hard to deal with. Um, sin. Sin is what keeps us from heaven. Do, do you understand that heaven is the only place that we know of in existence that does not have any type of sin in it? That sin does not, it, it's never been in heaven, it will never be in heaven. And for one of us to go to heaven with sin in our life no longer makes heaven heaven. Sin is not allowed in heaven. And, and some of you are like, okay, I get that. But l- let, me, let me start with, with this little, little truth that may hurt some of your feelings. All of us are infected with sin. We all have this disease that from birth has trapped our lives, that's inside of us, that is engulfing us, that pursues us, that makes us do stupid things, that's inside of us. We all have this disease called sin. Every one of us. And you may be sitting there going, whoa, Tim, you don't know me. I get that they're a sinner. (laughs) That's easy. I got that. But me, I don't think so. Um, There is no one in this room without sin. In fact, why don't you look at the people beside you and understand that they are just as screwed up as you are? Some of you more so. There is nobody in this place that is free from sin. Sin has come in, it has captured us, it has taken over our lives, it has attacked us from birth, and it is a part of what we are. And sin is the one thing that will keep you from spending eternity with Jesus. Sin is the thing that will hold you back, that will keep you from not going to heaven. So if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that's true, if the only way we can get to heaven is Jesus and absolutely nothing else, and sin is the thing that keeps us from heaven, how do we deal with that? And and some of you are still struggling with the fact that you're sinners. So let me throw you some some verses real quick and maybe take these home and and read them in just a little bit. Romans 3.10 tells us that there is no one righteous, not even one. Go down a little bit farther in Romans 3 uh, to verse 23, and it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So before you get offended by the fact that, hey, this hairy kid on stage just said I'm a sinner, I didn't say it, the Bible did. And it not only includes you, it includes me. So if sin is what separates us from God, if sin is the thing that keeps us from heaven, if sin is, the, if sin is what keeps us from spending an eternity with God, what, what do we do with it? 
if it's all a part of our life, how do we deal with that? And for some of us, um, this gets a little bit scary because we understand some of us have sinned a lot. And we're like, yeah, dude, I get that. I got so much baggage in my life. Um, I can't even look forward because all I remember is the things that I've done. I can't even deal with anything right now in my present because my past is so heavy. It's so hard on my life that I can't forget the sins that's in my past. I can't move forward because of what I've done. Some of us get that. Do you, do you understand that, that God knew this from the beginning? From the beginning, when God created this place, he knew that sin was going to be a part of our life. He knew that sin was going to come in, it was going to take hold of us, and it was too much for us to deal with on our own. He knew that sin was going to come in and be on us, and that we had no hope of removing it. So he came up with a plan. In Acts Chapter 4, verse 12, it says that salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given by men which we must be saved. There's no other name. There's no other option. So just like Jesus is the only way to heaven, Jesus is the only answer that we have for sin. So this is one of those great moments where you're in church. If somebody asks you a question where the, the answer is Jesus, which is 95% of the answers when you're in church, why do, how do we get to heaven? Jesus. How do we deal with sin? Jesus. Unfortunately for us as a people... Um, we become really creative in, in how we deal with sin because some of us aren't, we, we don't like that Jesus is the answer. We want to deal with our sin on our own. We want to get rid of that. So some of us, um, what we do is, is we have sin and we all have it and it, it fills our lives um, and we, we, we drop it on the floor. We, we have this sin that's everywhere and, and it, gets, it gets in our lives and it begins to fill us up. And so what we do what we do with sin is we, um, we try to hide it with religion. And this is scary because some of us right now, this, this is us to a T. We don't want to deal with sin, so what we do is we become really religious. What we do is we don't miss the Christian Super Bowl or World Series, which is like Christmas and Easter. We make sure we're here for those two Sundays because no matter what's going on, dude, it's the Super Bowl of Jesus. I'm in the room. Especially if I want my team to win the Super Bowl, God's going to honor that commitment and I'm going to be there and my team is now going to win. And I don't know how that works, but that's between God and you. But we, we, we come to church and, and sometimes we even get a little crazy. We may even go to a Bible study somewhere. We may even like buy a Bible that's bigger than anybody should ever possibly own. And we could hold that dude out and we'll read it and we'll get highlighters and we'll highlight stuff all through it. Don't know what it says because we aren't paying attention. We're just highlighting stuff, underlining it. We get one of these fancy little ribbon things and we throw it right there in the middle of a verse. Don't know what Habakkuk means, but that's where we're going to put this thing. And it makes us look really good. And we carry it around and we even change what we say when we're religious, when we're trying to hide our sins in religion. We have friends that come to us that are struggling and we say things like, God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. We ain't going to pray for them. Have no intention to pray, but we're going to throw that out there because that's what religious people do. Oh, dude. I'm so sorry. God works together for those that are good. And I don't know, I didn't read that, but I heard it somewhere and it's in a card. But God's got this. You're all right. That's religion. We may even get a little bit crazy when the offering comes by and when that plate, that part comes by. We may like get out some money and like throw some change in so it's a little jingly so people notice that we put money in. And, and if we've got anything bigger than a one, we're going to leave that dude unfolded. So when we put it in there, it's like $10 and everybody else is like, yeah, what's up now? Jesus. My boy, we get religious 
And we think religion is going to do something with this. But do you understand that religion does not conquer sin? That religion has nothing to do with this. Religion makes us do incredibly stupid things. And in the world's eyes, religion makes us look foolish because religion doesn't conquer the problem. There are a lot of religious people that will not spend eternity in heaven. And that's a little bit hateful. I get that. I'm going to say it again. There's a lot of religious people that will not go to heaven. Because religion is not what takes care of our... Religion does not take care of our sin. It's not the fix to the problem. And it doesn't matter how religious you are. It doesn't matter how big your Bible is. It doesn't matter if you haven't missed a Sunday since you were four. Religion is not the answer. Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, religious people are still going to go to hell and spend an eternity separated from God because they still have sin in their life because religion doesn't fix the problem. Some of us know that. Some of us are like, that's why I hate church. <laughs> I hate religious people, dude. They're all hypocrites and they're all judgmental. The last thing I want to do is go and fill myself with people that are going to judge me because of how I look. And they're going, to be, they're going to tell me this today, but then tomorrow they're going to act this way. The last thing I want to do is to go into church. So, so what we do is um, we just decide to be really good. Because we bought into this lie that if, if we're good enough, the sin that's in our life, Maybe won't show up quite so much. If we're good enough, we can do enough good things that it'll hide the sin. And maybe we can Jedi mind trick God into not thinking that we're as dirty as we are. And so we have sin in our life. And we hide it with really good stuff. You know, like um, help old people across the street. Like if the light's red and there's an old person on the corner, we may put our car in park and we'll like walk out and we'll, we'll help them across the street. And then they try to pay us and we're like, well, no, because we don't want the payment to like take away from our goodness that we're doing. We'll do good stuff like, um, I don't know, volunteer for different things. We'll, we'll do all this, these things. And the problem is all it does is hide the fact that sin is still in our life because it's still there. We just, it's kind of like if, if you can't see it, it's not there, out of sight, out of mind. And so we try to take care of sin by being good. Let me ask you something. How good is good enough? What are you going to do that's good enough that's going to remove the sin from your life? Seriously, think about this for a second. If, if we're talking about a God of creation, a God that speaks things into existence, a God who is so powerful, all he has to do is say something and it happens. What are you going to do that's good enough that he's going to look down from heaven and go, dude, that's, that's legit. You know what? Forget it. All your sin, it's gone. I'm giving it to the religious guy. You're set. That's amazing. <laughs> do you understand that there is nothing good enough for you to do to separate sin from your life? Do you understand how many good people are not going to go to heaven? Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And being good does not deal with the problem. If religion doesn't fix it, and there's a lot of religious people that aren't going to heaven. And if being good doesn't fix it, and there's a lot of good people that aren't going to heaven. And do you understand how, how heavy this is? Because that means a lot of our friends are not going to go to heaven because they think they're good enough that they don't need Jesus. 
Do you understand that a lot of our relatives, maybe our spouses, people that we love and care, care the world for, aren't going to go to heaven because they're banking on religion or deeds. And neither one of these deal with the problem of sin. So what do we do? How do we deal with this? Because if I can't be religious enough, if I can't read my Bible enough to get me out of, out of, out of this problem with sin, and if I can't be good enough to separate sin from my life, I'm hopeless, right? Because there's nothing we can do. Because, I mean, think about it. If we as a people, our best hope is religion or good deeds, and if neither one of those deal with the problem, we have nothing to look forward to. And it's not, why doesn't everybody get to go to heaven? It's, why don't I get to go to heaven? God, I'm getting up every morning reading the Bible. I'm helping old people. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do except give you my sin. Why don't I get to go? It's because it's Jesus and nothing else. It's Jesus and absolutely nothing. And let let me show you where God fits into this because God knew this and since the beginning of time and this is really cool when you look at the birth story which Christmas is coming up some of us will read this in in Matthew 1 there's this cool moment where angels appear to Joseph and they're like whoa don't get mad because Mary's going to have a baby but it's all cool it's going to be God's son don't trip out because you're going to be a stepdad I'll take care of that but you're going to have a son and the Bible tells us in Matthew 1 that his name is going to be Jesus and that he's going to forgive the world of their sins Do you understand that God's plan from the beginning of time, the Old Testament prophets, they prophesied about this God that's coming in flesh that was going to be sin's sin's payment for us, that he was going to come and sacrifice himself for us. Go to Romans 8 real quick, because I want you to see this. There's this beautiful beautiful passage in in Romans chapter 8. Starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Did did you catch that? Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3 says, for what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature... God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. Let let me, let me show you this. This is saying that even those of us who know Jesus still have sin in our life. We still are engulfed. We still have just as much sin. We're still just as messed up as everybody else. We still have sin all over us. And we've got this sin in our life and we don't know what to do with it. We're like, man, I gave my life to God. Why, why am I still sinning? Um, it's because it's a, it's a part of this world. We've got this moment where we're still filled with sin. We still have the sin in our life. What, what the writer of Romans is saying is that, that God knew this. That God knew that we had this in our life and this, was gonna, this sin was going to separate us for eternity from God. And so he came up with this plan. And I love this because religious people are not going to make it to heaven. Good people are not going to make it to heaven. The only way that we are going to get to heaven is when we we understand what this passage is talking about. That God so loved us that he sent his son to be a sacrifice. It's right here in verse 3. It says, for what the law was powerless to do, what we were powerless to do in getting rid of sin, 
that God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so that he condemned the sin of sinful man. To deal with sin, we have to allow Jesus to be our offering. And there's something cool with that because we can't get rid of sin without the offering of Jesus. And what this means is if we have sin in our life, we have this beautiful thing called the offering of God. And what it does is it takes away our sin and partially burns the hair off my face. (laughs) What we have in this is the fact that without Jesus, we are powerless to deal with sin. And he designed this. He, he made this. He, he creatively built this this way so that we would have a choice. And I, I don't know if you've ever thought this through, but love really isn't love unless a choice is involved. Jesus became the sacrifice for our sin, knowing that many of us would walk out of these doors today and be like, nope, I got it. I'm going to be good and hope it works. Nope, I got it. I'm just going to read some more scripture. Maybe even learn Hebrew. I don't know. Maybe that's going to get me to some religious, like, Jesus points, and maybe that'll work. Knowing that many of us would choose to, 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 to try to do away with God's plan of dealing with sin. It's Jesus and absolutely nothing. A friend of mine um, has a car and transmission's been acting up on it. So he's done what all of us men do when the transmission acts up on your car. You don't really get it fixed. You just pour stuff in it that's supposed to fix it, right? We go to the auto parts store and we're like, hey, my transmission's messed up. Um, Give me some stuff. And they give you a bottle of something that probably is just like water. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's like seven bucks. And you pour it in. And it doesn't really fix the problem. So he did what we do. We, he went to a mechanic and he's like, hey, my car's, man, it's not running. It's skipping, like it's stalling. And the guy looked at it and he's like, yeah, your transmission's out. It's going to be about, I don't know, four, $6,000 to get it fixed. So he did what we do as men. He went to the store and he bought more of that additive stuff to pour in it. <laughs> Didn't fix the problem. So he went, and again, what we do, he went to two other mechanics. And I was like, hey, this is what my car's doing. They look at it and they come back to him. And sure enough, he's, they're like, yeah, your transmission's messed up. And, and my friend is stuck in this spot now where he has this, this choice to make. He can continue to put additives in the transmission that aren't going to fix the problem. Or he can deal with the problem and get the transmission replaced. And I think many of us right now, we're in that same exact moment of life where we can continue to do things to try to get rid of the problem. We can continue to read and we can continue to do things that look religious to the world. We can continue to be good and we can be nice or we can give our problems to Jesus and actually take care of the problem and remove the problem rather than just masking it. One of the coolest passages of scripture is um, John three sixteen, And we lose some of the power of it because we've memorized it since we were like four. We, we memorize this verse and we don't really remember what it says. We know what it says, but we don't know what it says, if that makes sense. We memorize this verse that for God so loved the world... That's you. You're included in that. That God so loved the world that he sent or that he gave his only son. And that if anyone would believe in him, they would have eternal life. That if anyone would trust in Jesus, that their sins would be forgiven. That this problem of sin would no longer be a part of our life. That sin is still something we're going to deal with. And every time we do, the sacrifice of Jesus is going to do exactly what the flame did in this. And it's going to consume and destroy the sin and remove it from us. 
And when the time comes that we stand before God, our religion isn't going to help. Our good deeds aren't going to help. Jesus is it. And some cool things in this is the Bible tells us that when that happens, that God no longer sees our sin, but that he sees Jesus. And think of this for just a second, because some of us like to abuse grace. And this is myself. We abuse the forgiveness that God has given us. And how dare we ever take light the fact that Jesus sacrificed his life for us. The fact that God himself sent his son that willingly stepped out of heaven, that came to this planet, that willingly allowed people to mock him, to beat him, to spit on him. The Bible says that people put blankets and sheets over his head and they would punch him and they would hit him with sticks and they'd say, if you're the God, if you're the Messiah, prophesy. Who just hit you? If you're the God, come off of the cross and then we'll believe you. Laid on a piece of wood and allowed nails to be driven into his wrists and to his feet to be the sin payment, the sacrifice for the sins that we commit. How dare we take that for granted? When it comes to, to today, this is, this is where we are. We can try to deal with sin by being religious. And I guess if that's you, I'll see you again at the next service and tonight at five. We can try to deal with sin by being religious. But at the end of the day, it's still there. We can try to deal with sin by being good. If that's you, I need my bushes trimmed at my house. Knock yourself out. Be good. Do some good deeds. But at the end of the day, sin is still there. Or we can go to the only thing powerful enough to deal with sin. And we can allow Jesus the sacrifice that he made on the cross to be the payment for our sin. There's a, an old adage or fortune cookie, I don't remember where I read it, but it, it says um, it says that your, your destination is determined by the road that you're on. Good intentions don't determine where you're going. And if heaven today is our destination, if heaven is the, today is where we're trying to get to, if heaven today is the, the destination that we're all trying to make sure that we achieve, some of us are in sad shape because some of us are on roads that are not going to lead to heaven. And it doesn't matter how good our intentions are. If I was to walk out of here today, and some of you have driven with me and you understand how horrible I am with directions. If I was to walk out of here today and wanted to go to California and I went east, it's going to take me a while. And I'm pretty sure my car is not going to make that last long stretch through the ocean. No matter how good my intentions are, I'm not going to wind up to my destination. Do you understand no matter how good our intentions are, our destination is determined by the road that we're on. Do you understand what this means? This means that some of us in this room right now, if this was it and we were to stand before God in this moment, that some of us would not go into heaven and it's not God's fault because he's given us the choice. It's us choosing to be religious or to be good. How horrible would God's love be if it was forced on us? How amazing is God's love that he loves you so much that he willfully gave you the choice 
to choose to accept his love or to choose to do it on your own. And some of you know what this is like right here because this is heavy. This is walking around with guilt for the rest of your life. This is walking around feeling like you've got 20 pounds on each, on each shoulder blade and it never goes away and you're walking around with weight that never ends and it's, it's, the, it's the sin and the, the pain that goes along with it. And we walk around for our entire life going, God, what's going on? I'm doing this stuff. I'm going to church. Why am I still dealing with sin? Why am I still so guilty? Why am I still so heavy? Why is my life still such a wreck? I'm doing good stuff. And some of us today need to, we just need to deal with this. Because some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're sick of trying to be religious. You're sick of trying to be good enough. And the weight of that is, is it's tiring. It's miserable. And what's so crazy is God knew that. So he sent Jesus. Who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one is going to get to the Father except through me. Come to me with your sin. I paid the price for it. Let me give you a life now that's free from it. And don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean as soon as you give Jesus your sin and that really cool flame goes off, that sin never comes back at you. Because unfortunately, as long as we're here, sin is still going to be a part of our life. The cool part of what this is, is that Jesus continually takes the sin from us. That he continually destroys the sin and removes it from our life. And we still have sin a part of us as long as we're here. This is the beauty of heaven. This is what we look forward to is a life that doesn't have sin in it. But until we get to heaven, that's not going to happen. And we need somebody to come in and daily make us fresh. And maybe not even daily. If you're like me, about every 20 seconds. So my question for you is this. How are you going to deal with this today? Some of you are religious and if... If this was it, you wouldn't go to heaven today. Because religion doesn't deal with the problem. Some of you are really good, great, better than great. You're excellent. (laughs) And if this was it, you wouldn't be in heaven today. Because good doesn't deal with sin. Some of you, though, you've dealt with sin. You've had that moment where you walked in with God and you had that moment of, God, I'm, I'm sick of my sin. Would you take it from me? I'm giving you my sin. Forgive me. Deal with my life. God, whatever that looks like, but take this sin from me. And you know that feeling. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's one of the coolest, like, breaths of fresh air ever. That moment that God comes in, that he forgives you, that he removes your sin is one of the coolest feelings that this world has to offer. And it's amazing. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you have friends and family that don't. And you're not telling them because you're waiting for that right moment. You're waiting for that special opportunity to happen. And so you're letting them walk around with the weight of sin, knowing the answer for a right moment. Do you understand if this is true, we have no right to take what Jesus has done lightly and to not share that with our friends and our family. Good intentions doesn't determine where we head. The road we're on determines where we're going. I want to pray for you. And just um, give us a chance to deal with this. Maybe today, 
Maybe today this makes sense. And maybe today you're sick of trying to be good enough. You're sick of trying to be religious enough. And today somehow this, this just makes sense that all I need to do is I just need to trust God with it. And today's that day. If that's you, it's, it's one of the, the greatest days you'll ever have. It's just you before God saying, God, I, I don't even know what this means. But if this is real and if all of this is true, would you please forgive me of the sin that's in my life? Would you remove the things that I've done, the things that would keep me from ever spending an eternity with you? Would you take that from my life? Would you remove it from me? And right now in this moment, God, would you let me know what it feels like to be free from sin and to receive Jesus as my payment? Some of you, just in saying that a second ago about friends and family members that, that are dealing with this wrong, Right now, you've got somebody in your mind that you're like, man, if this was it, this person would not be in heaven with me. This person would not make it. Do you understand how important our job is that God has chosen you to be the vehicle that tells them about forgiveness? And it starts with you just going to them and saying, man, this is what God's done in my life. This is how I know God's real. This is how much he loves me. Jesus, thank you for today. God, thank you for the truth that's so simple, God, that, that's in your word, that, that there is no other way that we will ever get to heaven, Jesus, except through you. And thank you for making it easy because if it was up to us and there was all these hurdles, if we had to memorize the entire Bible, God, if we had to make this so much more difficult than what it really is, it, it, would, be, it would be something that we earned. And God, we don't earn salvation. It's the gift of grace that you've freely given to us. And Jesus, in this moment, I'm just gonna ask that you would allow us to be honest with ourselves. God, that you would... God, that right now that you would work and you would soften our hearts. And Jesus, if there's anyone in this room right now that does not know you, God, I pray that they would deal with that in the next few minutes. Jesus, I pray for those of us who do know you, that we've, we've had your forgiveness. We know what that feels like. We've felt that in our life. God, I'm just going to ask that, that right now that you would give us the courage and you would even point out those people in our lives. And right now in our minds, God, help us to know who it is that we need to tell about you. And it's really not hard to find them, Jesus. Um, we just need to be vocal. We just need to do it. So forgive me for my laziness, God. And from this point forward, help me to be more vocal with what you've done in my life so that everybody, God, has the opportunity to, to at least hear from us how to get to heaven, and that's Jesus and absolutely nothing else. God, I'm just going to ask that you allow us in these next few moments to take away any distractions and allow us to deal with this before we go any farther in our day. And Jesus, we ask you to do this because it's too big for us. So in the beautiful, holy, powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Normally, this is where we get up and go get lunch. Because if we leave now, we get really good seats or we beat the parking lot. I'm going to ask you to not do that today. I'm just going to ask you to, to just, just hang out just today. I won't do it again, promise. Well, maybe not. And just deal with this. If this is true, if all of this that we just said is real and this is true, do you understand how big this moment is? And some of you in this moment need to grab the card that's in the seat in front of you that says yes to God. And you need to have a moment with God during this time when we're singing, when Ryan and these guys are doing what they do. You need to have this moment between you and God where you're talking to God and you're giving him those sins and you're allowing that forgiveness to come into you. And there's a card in the seat in front of you that says, I said yes to God. And you need to spend some time filling that out. And there's some booths that are in the back along the side that have signs that say yes on them that you need to take that to here in just a moment and understand what that truly means and have somebody talk to you about that. Some of you, though, need to just right now in this moment stand up and you need to praise.
the fact that God removed your sin from you when you couldn't. And I don't know what that looks like for you. If that means you raise your hand, if that means you sing louder, if that means you sit down with your head in your hands, I I don't know what that looks like because that's between you and God. But this is the moment for you to deal with this and to allow this to be more than just a Sunday morning message, but to allow this to be a part of our lives. This is your time to deal with it.